This episode is brought to you by Canela Bistro and Wine Bar, serving Spanish plates and over 70 wines from Spain in the heart of San Francisco. Visit us socially at Canela SF and canelasf.com. You're listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind with Matt Schuster. We're getting inside the brilliant and delicious minds of remarkable culinary individuals. We're telling stories, cutting up, and breaking it down. Welcome and welcome to my friend, chef, and proprietor of Lanyard Peak Vineyards, Erica Ameda Mooney. Hi, Matt. So, Susan Finnegar. Oh my God, I am so excited for this one. Not that I don't love everything that you do, but this one, I mean, this is the OG of the women in food movement. Um, tell me tell me your memories, because I, I definitely was looking forward to this interview for a long time and had a great time with it, but, but tell me why it means so much to you. Um, it means so much to me because in the early 90s when I was in culinary school, there really weren't a lot of female role models out there. Uh, you know, of course you have Julia Child and Alice Waters, but I was in New York and that was so far away from the California uh, food scene. And to have um, Susan and Mary Sue uh, just as role models, as these are women that are actually getting it done, that these are women that are not only running restaurants, they're creating their own empire. And I mean, even today, that's impressive. But back in the 90s, that was just unheard of. And to have two women collaborating and pulling global flavors together, which also really was very new and revolutionary at the time, uh, to bring Mexican flavors into uh, fine dining was absolutely groundbreaking. And um, to have two women working together and not tearing each other down, to supporting each other. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, origi- it's, you know. They've been together a long time. That's mo- more than yeah. most marriages. <laughs> and a, a lot. And, we, and we, we talk about that as well. I mean, it's um, amazing how much that, that, that Susan has done, both with Mary Sue and on her own. Everybody knows them, I think, the most from either their restaurants, border grills, with locations in Los Angeles and in Las Vegas, uh, as well as uh, their shows, Two Hot Tamales and Tamales World Tour. Over 400 episodes on the Food Network and one of the first of its yeah, kind. It's so funny to me because when you when you talk to, to Susan, she is such a big personality and but she's also still very serious and really knows uh, she she commands a lot of respect. And so it always seems like such a a strange thing that she was, you know, a hot Somali at some <laughs> point. I would love to know what what she thinks about the you, know, you have to be thankful for the platform that that springs you up, but oh, yeah. also that just has a man's that has a somebody at the Food Network. We'll call them the two hot Somalis. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Well, besides that, they've all they, they've done a lot of things, and and Susan has solo ventures, including the Blue Window and a Grab and Global concept in uh, airports. Uh, she met Mary Sue in Chicago's La Perroquet. 
Then they, she worked for Wolfgang Puck. Uh, then at some point in 1981, she ended up back at City Cafe with Mary Sue. And then they ended up evolving that into City Restaurant and finally into Border Grill. Uh, they won a James Beard Award that same year, 1985, uh, and they have done really so much. Uh, Susan has authored six cookbooks. Uh, she was on Bravo's Top Chef Masters. And then last year, both Susan and Mary Sue were recipients of the fourth annual Julia Child Award from the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the first women to be honored. If you go back and watch some of those episodes from Top Chef Masters when she was on, she was a powerhouse and just such a ball of energy and was really, she was a really standout personality on that show. It's definitely worth a, a Netflix and watch it. Uh, you are going to get a, a kick out of this interview. We talked about a, a thousand things and, and it was a lot of fun. You can find Susan on social at Susan Finnegar. Or check out bordergrill.com. Let's take a listen. Thank you for agreeing to join me here, Susan. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So we're going to dive right in. Um, one of the awesome things about doing this podcast is I get to spend time researching you and 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 really just kind of studying it, which is kind of fun, huh? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> fun maybe I don't know scary. if it's fun. Maybe it's fun for you. So uh, in, in your, you know, kind of like your, 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 your early, early days, you know, you talk about one of your first jobs at Smith's Cafeterias. And, and I grew up in Texas. Cafeterias are a very particular kind of food service model you know yeah so, sure. so tell me tell me tell me about those early days in the cafeteria and, and that and this is your your kind of your your first entry into the food world right yeah that was my first real job in the food world and um, I was in high school and it was a summer job and if I remember right because it was a long time ago <laughs> If I remember right, it was, you know, there was a, a line, you stand, you went along, you know, you had your tray, mm -hmm. you got your tray, and then it, you pushed it along, you know, like you do at hospitals, right. you sort of pushed it along yeah. and then picked what you wanted to eat. Right. Or you could, I think if I remember right, you could also order uh -huh. from a table, you didn't have to go through the buffet line. And so what were you, what were you doing? And there? I was doing, I remember my job was making all the French dip sandwiches. Okay. So, you know, they were pretty good. I yeah, have to say yeah. they were pretty good. So were you, you were carving the... I was carving the, the roast, roast beef, beef yeah. and then dipping yeah. the... I, we actually dipped the bread. Oh, you did? Okay. Then, you didn't put it in a side ramekin or anything. No, no. It was we dipped, dipped the it bread. Was hand dipped. Yeah, and you had to have your knife yeah. and fork. Yeah. And you could get a horseradish cream on the side. Yeah. So Somewhere down the line, you probably got some jello. Yeah, you know, probably, or, or, or yeah. have the option, maybe some cream pies, a jello, yeah, something like that, a, yeah. carrot, a carrot salad for sure. I'm sure maybe you the know. pea and cheese, uh, right, right, the, right. yeah, frozen right. peas with Velveeta cheese right. or American right. cheese chunks right. in it and Ma mayonnaise. Made in like, you know, you know, 50 pound vats, right? Yeah, yeah, with so, mayonnaise and whatever. Yeah, I, so I, I like that salad, though. Well, <laughs> you know, so food memories are, are, are interesting, right? I mean, it's... You know, I think we've all had the experience where you haven't had something for a long, long, long time, but you have a good kind of memory nostalgia around it. And then you go back and you have it again, and it may or not 
it may or may not hit that same mark the set you know kind of like in the later years you right. know but yeah. but but those those memories they 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 attach to you they really they sink into your brain you know? yeah for sure i mean i have very you know vivid memories of things that my mom cooked and i mean she was actually a really good cook and i have very strong memories of particular dishes that she cooked growing up that still have you know even still, I find myself at times wanting to do that same kind of menu for certain holidays because mm. they're so, they have so many memories connected to them that I still think they're pretty delicious. Even, mm-hmm. And maybe I've tweaked them some from when having, you know, what she made, but she was a good cook. Uh, and I think that that's a, that that is certainly an important part of the equation because it because it really stuck with you. I mean, you had those those early times at home, and then you had and then you kind of jumped into your 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 cafeteria job, and you know you talk about there it's where you kind of really learn to get into the spirit of the kitchen and. You know, it's because it's a it's, it's it's an environment. It's it's you know it's it's particular. It's uh, you know it has certain sets of rules and certain tools and you know and and hygiene and a camaraderie and you know it's it's uh, uh, it's specific, right? So you got the bug yeah. then. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I loved the. I was sort of a jock in high school and junior high and. You know, I played a bunch of sports and then I was a cheerleader and, you know, I, so I like that sort of camaraderie, that team thing. And so Mm -hmm. being in a kitchen definitely had that vibe for me. It was like you were there and when the doors open, you were like getting ready. And when the doors open, a lot of people came in, not that lots of people came into Toledo. Well, but, but, but that's the idea, right? The energy of it was that. That's the energy is that, is that even if you have a small restaurant, it's that the door is open at this time and you better be ready because the pressure's on. And so, and I think people work together under pressure like that, like you do on a team Mm -hmm. and, you know, the chef in the kitchen or the sous chef in the kitchen is sort of the cheerleader or the coach. So there's a lot of similarities, I think. And I, you know, for me, I like the chaos of a kitchen. I like the crunch that happens Mm -hmm. under the pressure of that. I don't get stressed out by it. I get energized by it. So, so, and, and, and let me ask you about this because, you know, I definitely have a thought, a thought around this myself. Why don't you get stressed, like to the point? Because you know, you—I'm sure you've worked alongside people, and they get, you know, like a pressure cooker about to explode when a certain amount of, you know, things pile up. Right. right? What keeps you from blowing your top? It's just not. Uh, that is just not part of what happens to me. I like when the pressure gets on. I feel like I'm able to sort of. I I'm able to connect with the team and direct more and get people sort of like, okay, I need this, I need this, mm-hmm. I need this, I need mm-hmm. three of this. So I'm able to do that, or at least I always have been in my career. I mean, certain people, you know, my partner in life of 23 years, you know, she's a writer and if she's home working, you know, she's, um, you know, and the doorbell rings or the, you know, a plumber, the plumber comes over. She like is just, it's like overwhelming for her. She can't, she gets out of her, she can't work anymore for the whole day, you know? So, I mean, she's, and you know, she's, that just stresses her out. Even Mary Sue. she's deep in her place. Yes, And now she's, you know, been brought out of her place. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. right. You know, now Mary Sue, 
my other partner. Mm-hmm. Liz is my wife. Mm-hmm. Mary Sue mm-hmm. is just my business right. partner. Right. But I've been together with Mary Sue more. Right. Liz and I have been together 24 years. Right. You know, Mary Sue and I 37 yeah, years. So, But Mary Sue, you know, when things get sort of frazzled like that, she can she gets frazzled. Mm-hmm. It's not she. That's why when we first started out, she preferred to be in the pastry kitchen, the cold kitchen, which was calmer and mm-hmm. quieter. I preferred being on the line where it was frantic and people were like, you know, yelling at you to get stuff done. And but do you feel like you were pretty much able to solve any problem that was thrown at you? You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, I, I feel that sometimes when you're, you feel like you're going to blow your top, it's because you feel like you, you're at the end of your rope. You can't, you can't solve it. Right. But, but I feel when you're able to remain calm, it's because you see that at least enough of the way forward to know that you're going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think in a way, I, I think, you know, I don't know that I go to that place mm-hmm. as much as like, okay, you guys, let's just do it a step at a time. Let's mm-hmm. just, we've got, you know, let's get these six orders out. Let's get these six mm-hmm. orders out, you know, or someone doesn't show up. Like, how do we sort of fill that? Or the bathroom's overflowing. We mm-hmm. got, you know, because when you're, you know how it is when you're in that moment, the, someone has to keep things calm because right. things have to go on because right. the restaurant is, you know, open. I mean, I do oh, remember yeah. there was a time at Border Girl Santa Monica that the front station, the, you know, where we were putting out all the cold tacos and the ceviches and that was over, the drain on the floor was mm. backing up mm. and it was a Saturday night mm. full. We of just, course. We just had those things don't happen out there, on Monday. someone sort yeah. of mopping and keeping, you know, putting <laughs> towels on the floor while we continued Smiling. service. Right, yeah. right. We, yeah. we had a, it was, you know, in, in San Francisco, we don't have air conditioning just because we usually don't need it. But sometimes right. it gets hot. You know, we're a small restaurant. Busy Saturday night uh, in the summer, and it was hot. And there was a table of tourists from I forget where they were from, but they were from out of town. Right. Supposedly, you know, they had had a whole day sightseeing, whatever. At some points, one of them passes out. Like, you know, they didn't have like an episode of anything super serious, but they pass out. Yeah. So we have to call nine one one, and uh, you know, and nine one one shows up, and you know, there, and and we're, and it's one of those nights where kind of all the tickets come in at once, and so we're we're flying in the kitchen. Right. And and I and we have a, a window that's pretty big that we can look out into the dining room. I see this woman getting, you know, I'm I'm, I'm cooking. I see this woman getting loaded up onto the gurney. Oh my God. I'm looking at her. I'm I'm like looking at uh, you know the people that she was with, trying to gauge their level of like fright on their face. Right. And at the same time, you know, there's a whole restaurant full of people right, who are right. hungry, and you know, I can't do more than the EMT is already doing. So yeah. I'm continuing to cook, right? And as they're leaving, you know, I was just kind of in my fury and kind of making a joke. I like screamed out to the EMT it wasn't the food you know and uh, he was and he's he started laughing uh, and and you know and and she I guess had had a full day of exertion but right it's kind of like you know one of those situations where you can't you you know I mean unless you know something really really bad happens you really just don't stop the train has left the station right, right. you know so. so um so so you and Mary Sue have been together such a long time and I was actually talking to her about this you know as she was coming out and you were coming in uh, when you're young or when you're younger in a, in a relationship, you know, you're kind of a different person, not to the core, but, you know, people change and morph and right. grow after years and years and years. You've been together so long, it seems that you've really 
maintained such a good relationship together, you haven't, you know, realized that 20 years in, you're like, ah, oh, this person, I can't stand him anymore. Right. Like, I'm done with you. Get out yeah. of my life. You no, know, yeah. how? how? What's the secret? This is like, well, I mean, this is like a relationship book that you yeah, should write here, sure. you know? I mean, I think, you know, both of us feel like it. I for sure do. I think, and I've said it before in interviews, is that I think that by each of us having been in our own therapy, mm-hmm. that that helped us each to take responsibility for who we were, for what our desires were, and and helped us to learn to get those tools to how to communicate when things got tough. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest thing is being able to communicate and how do you communicate when you disagree and you disagree strongly and you've got two strong personalities how do you sort of navigate that without it just getting too weird? And there definitely have been times where we're just like pissed at each other and feel, you know, and we sort of have to figure out how to get through it. Mm-hmm. But I think that, and I do think therapy helped to give you the ability to do that. Yeah. And, um, and I think that the way we've been able to give each other freedom enough to do the things that we were each passionate about. And for many, many years, we never did anything separate. Like if there was Today Show or when we got, you know, photographed, it was always her and I. And if they didn't want to do us both, we didn't do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, it was very much one, you know, if we did it. And then, you know, we, we each found that we had interest in different things and we were on boards of different things, so we started doing things separately. At some point, you know, 10 years ago or so, I felt like I wanted to open another restaurant. She wasn't ready to open another one, and, you know, and um, so I opened Street, but we had to get there, you know, for that year before, where, okay, how do we do this? Right, right. How do we do this yeah, without so ending inter- our partnership? Intertwined with each other. And how do yeah. you do it? Yeah. And I think for a moment there, we thought about, should we continue on? Or, mm. you know, should we divide up the company? <laughs> and, you know, and I think, and then we ended up going together for a few months to therapy right. to be able to help us decide what was the right thing to do. Right. And so I think the freedom to be able to go do stuff. So I opened up that restaurant yeah. and, with you know, so with a chef who had worked for us for many years uh-huh. and then left and come back and and I think she's gone off to do things that she does like with you know share our strength and the James Beard Foundation Foundation and things she's passionate about and same as me with you know I'm on the board of the Los Angeles LGBT Center and I right. do a bunch of stuff there and do interviews and media that's separate from her and so over 37 years we've each now been able to give the other freedom to be who they are as well it's as like be a strong relationship. team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as be a strong team together. And I think it's made us stronger. Right. So tell me about Street. Well, Street was, you know, for sure something I was very passionate about. There was, you know, street food from around the world is something that I've loved. I took my very first trip to India back in 1982. Hmm. And I felt like that trip shifted how I thought about food. It How so? Well, all of my training had been in French kitchens, mm-hmm. strict French kitchens, you know, Le Perroquet, Ma Maison, when Wolf was the chef, Loazis in the south of France. Um, you know, I worked in 
when I was at the Culinary Institute up there at a French restaurant called Harold. So all my training was in French kitchens. Mm -hmm. And when I took that first trip to India, a friend of mine was living there on an ashram and he was working in the kitchen where it was, you know, all these Indian women and Indian men. It was very small village. And I started working in the outdoor kitchen with the women and grinding spices. Mm. And I just fell in love with the flavors, the flavor profile, the kinds of food. It was all vegetarian, the kinds of food, like with potato budgia and you know, different you know, different curries and the use of spices in a way that I'd never seen, and it was just a whole different curry neem leaves and ginger and turmeric, and I really found that that felt like it was me, like like I'd had another life there. Mm-hmm. But I think it was about everything about it. I mean, it influenced you know, yeah, ear piercing and you know, bracelets that have been you know in my life and, now and, for 40 years, that's 35 great that years. That's great that it spoke to you so much. I mean, in in, in French cooking, uh, and I talked about this a little bit with, with Mary Sue, like, you know, in my training as well, it's 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 French training. And so you don't, you know, we, we studied some international cuisine, but it was, you know, it was, it was short, and, it, and yeah. it was certainly not enough paid attention to it as, you know, as the cuisines of the world, right. you know, deserve, right? So, and like curry makes a little bit of a, uh, a appearance you know, in some French cooking as, you know, kind of, you know, an exotic spice, right? But but you don't really, you don't, I think, grasp exactly what it all is until you go to the origin, which is where you went. You went to, you went to the motherland. Yeah, I know? mean, yeah, I mean, the use of spices is so, is, is what the cuisine is mm-hmm. in India. In the French kitchen, you know, even then, back then, I was drawn to country French food. Mm-hmm. So I was drawn to is never really drawn to things like demi-glace and bordelaise mm. and any of those kinds of flavors. Really, I was drawn more to like cassoulet and pot au feu and mm-hmm. things that were, you know, a little bit more earthy and probably stronger flavors. But when I first tried the Indian food and started cooking there, it was like, it just opened my eyes to spices, which then translated into the Thai kitchen, Mm. the Mexican kitchen, and I could see that I was just drawn more to that. Certainly the French technique was an important part, but those other flavor profiles I was way more drawn to, and the culture and everything about, Mm. in all those different countries, way more than in the European. Did you, know, you did you ever get into the preserving and the pickling and you know and and that the canning and that kind of you know mentality of of preserving uh, uh, food? Well, I think you know there's a lot of pickling and you know because it's kind of like across all the nation. I mean, you know, at some point it was for for food survival, right? I mean, you know, you 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 picked the vegetables when they were fresh, and then you preserved them in some manner. Um, yeah. So kind of everybody was doing it to some degree, some yeah. people more more than others. But those always, for me, uh, have such good, strong flavors that that I that I always, you know, they excite me. Well, and know? also, I think in many ethnic kitchens, the pickle and the chutneys mm-hmm. and, the you know, even preserved lemons or, you know, pickled tomatoes or salsas or, you know, salsa verde. There's a balance there that they use in those cuisines to balance rich food, mm-hmm. spicy food. So they use those techniques, I think, more than, say, in the French kitchen mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. 
So, so you talked a little bit about being on the board of the LGBT Center, and, and I know there's a really big, exciting project that is either finished or on the way to being finished. So I want you to talk about that a little bit because it, it just sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'm very excited. I've been on the board of the Los Angeles LGBT Center for the last uh, 13 or 14 years. And back then as a board, we, which is an incredible board, we approved the this project, which is the new campus that is ribbon cutting will be happening in the spring so in literally within a month Hmm. we'll be doing the ribbon cutting for this new campus and the new campus will have um a hundred a hundred units for seniors apartments and 135 beds for homeless youth that's great and a professional kitchen where we will be doing a culinary program for training youth and if seniors want to be part of the program and in group starting with groups of 10 that will go through a 12-week training program wow. and an externship to help mainly these youth get back on the you know out there in the world and be able to make a living mm. and young and is it going to be open to to the public for like breakfast lunch dinner kind of thing they, or how does it no, work initially initially and i don't know that it ever will be because mm-hmm. right now this the meals will be to feed the youth that live there, mm, youth mm-hmm. that come to the homeless, to the to the youth center that mm-hmm. aren't living there, mm-hmm. because there's many, right now we have a youth center that's called the Highland Youth Center that's going to be moving over there. So that opens in the morning, I think at 6 a.m. Mm. So kids that aren't living with us, but are on the street, have a safe place to go where they can shower, use computers, go to classes, get their Mm. high school degree, get their college degree, job preparation, and then for the seniors, we'll be feeding also. Now, we are launching also a little coffee shop right on the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and McCadden, which is where the campus is, that will be open to the public, Mm. and we will be preparing food at the at the kitchen, the culinary kitchen, which will then be sold in the coffee shop. That's great. And you'll have you some of the youth and seniors who are doing their externship in the coffee shop, becoming baristas and also serve, selling the food. And so, and it'll it. be also a communal gathering between people who live there. There's over 700 employees who are at the oh. Los Angeles LGBT Center wow. who will use that largest LGBT center in the yeah, world. Yeah, I, I know LA is, it's impressive. Amazing. It's, it's impressive. You know, I, I, I've done some research on the LGBT center here and it is, it is very impressive. And, and, just, and, 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 you know, I'm coming from San Francisco. We have a, you know, big LGBT uh, population as right. well. Uh, LA is impressive. Yeah, I, I will say that. It's amazing. And the work that gets done. I mean, the whole medical facility, pharmacy, 11 plus full-time doctors, and then therapists, that and the whole pharmacy, they you know we have a number of campuses, a brand new trans campus in Hollywood. Mm. We have one in East LA, in South Central. So there's you know campuses around the city in order to be able to bring the community mm. all into a community that well, and LA is huge, right? Huge. So so you yeah. have to spread out a little bit. So did you get to consult? on the kitchen and you know how was that process i did it was very fun i um you know certainly the team over there the staff there they drive everything they're so good i want them to run our business they're so good (laughs) but you know they um 
Yes, I definitely, I took the architect and the Stephen Burns, who's headed up this whole project, over to St. Joseph's to mm. their kitchen so they could see how it's set up there. Mm-hmm. It's for the the way that they use it as a teaching kitchen as well as producing, helping to produce some food. So we use that a little bit as a model because you want it as a teaching kitchen, right. but it also is gonna be a production yeah, kitchen. Which is, which is two separate entities, you know, anyway. Yes, exactly. So. so so I was involved with that and they had a kitchen designer who came in and then I looked at the plans and sort of helped on some level, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't take credit really for much of it other than I was the person nagging Lori G. <laughs> you were the project the manager. Executive yeah, no, director. But those, you know, those things are, those things are valuable, you know. Yeah. And, and you, you know, and I'm sure I think uh, your expertise of looking at a space and saying like, hey, I can tell you, I know that, that this should be kind of like this and this should be kind of like this. Those things are really valuable because sometimes those, changes that are so easy from the beginning just become something that's part of the project forever you know that right. uh you know you, you have the chance to fix from the beginning well how exciting i'm very Super excited. excited that's, that's uh that program the actual kitchen is mm-hmm. launching um may beginning of may mm. so it falls right at the perfect time right when we're about to open mm. socolo in santa monica mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i should be busy yeah <laughs> yeah you're not bored yeah uh yeah so so and then i know you also serve on some other uh, on some other charities so and, yeah. and do some other things so tell me a little bit about what else you're doing well i've been i've also been on the board of the scleroderma research foundation and for how, how did you end up there my college roommate mm which is way long ago, mm. but she was, we, we graduated from college and then she went off to Stanford to get her MBA, mm-hmm. graduated from there working for a McKenzie, a big management consulting firm, and she started to, and she ended up getting sick. Finally, about a year into it, she finally got diagnosed with a disease called scleroderma. She started a board for research because there was not much research being done for scleroderma and she was like i'm gonna i'm gonna start this board and we're gonna find a cure and that was probably i want to say like 30 years ago Mm. maybe that's not Mm. exactly right but so she started the foundation i've been on the board from day one i think i'm the only board member that was there from the beginning she passed away about 16 years Mm. ago i'm sorry um and mary sue and i came up with a fundraising idea way back then, when Sharon was still alive, way back, called Cool Comedy Hot Cuisine. That Mm. got inspired because we had consulted for Caroline's Comedy Club in New York back in the Uh 80s. uh And so we thought, let's do a dinner, because in the olden days, in the the king, after dinner, would have the court jester come in to make you laugh (laughs) because that was for digestion. (laughs) So we thought, let's do cool comedy hot cuisine. I love that. And so we did our first one at City Restaurant. Mm. And it was like 150 people. And I remember it very clearly. It was Richard Belzer Mm -hmm. was the MC, Paul Provenza, uh, Judy Tenuta. Oh, that's funny. And we convinced, there were a couple other people, and we convinced, um, I tried to, over probably three or four months, get Robin Williams uh-huh. through his man agents and that to get him to do it. They kept saying no. 
So every time he was in town and he would come to City Restaurant to eat, right. we just sent him out free food and sent him out free food and even, you know, just like nagged and nagged and then I'd go talk to him and find, and literally it was just four days before the event. I got a call from, at that point, his nanny, Marsha Garces, who said, Robin will be there. He's not going to perform, but he'll be there. Wow. And wow. like he walked into the event. It was like maybe 30, 40 minutes after it started. Wow. It was, you know, it was our restaurant, so it wasn't huge. Right, and right, the stage right, was right. there. And he walked in. And I remember Woody Harrelson was coming to dinner that night, and we were closed. But, you know, Richard Belzer and those guys were all there. And it's like, come on, come in, come in. So Woody Harrelson came wow. in and was hanging out. And um, and it was great. There was, you know, in the audience was people that were our regular customers. So like, right. you know, Dana Delaney and Leslie Ann Warren and, you know, wow. Linda Gray. Wow. It was a fun group of people that wow. used to come what there a, all the time. What a night to remember. And Robin walked in, just couldn't help himself, got up on the stage. That's great. And Robin did the event probably six or seven times after oh, that. That's and great. so, you know, one year Bob Saget did it. Uh-huh. And then... And he's he's like if you you know if you you know most people know him from Full House yeah. but if you listen to him off of Full House he's nasty yeah I mean he's funny he's, but he's nasty well you know? he did it one year and then literally his sister was like a year later got diagnosed with scleroderma oh you're kidding oh, so wow. he's been on the board with me now for like eighteen years wow and so we have amazing comedy mm. I mean every mm. year it's like you know this year where it's it's uh, April twenty fifth and it's Bob and mm-hmm. and uh, um, Ray Romano, mm-hmm. Ken Jung. Oh wow! Um, and another very very big person that I can't say who it is, but uh, he's huge. Okay, well you'll have and, to you'll have you'll have to tune into yeah, find out, right? Yeah. Oh. Fabulous, and that's it. We do that, you know, at the Beverly Wilshire. I was going to say you've, you know, you've outgrown a small venue now. Yeah, we do Beverly. Well, we've done for a long time at the Lowe's Hotel, yeah. Beverly Wilshire. Yeah. We do it, and then we do it in New York at Caroline's Comedy oh, Club. Oh, that's great! Still. Oh, that's and fantastic. And we do all the food with volunteer staff. I love it. And, I love it. I'll yeah. come help you one year. It's How great. Yeah. yeah, I'd love you we'll to. Do it's some great. Spanish food. Um, so, and you know, these are things that you're committing your time to doing for and sure. You're doing a lot, yeah. you know, so it's, it's really uh, uh, on top of running multiple restaurants and after cookbooks and cooking shows and, you know, some may say you're a robot and, uh, <laughs> you know, don't sleep, you know, but uh, you know, what, what drives you, you know? Well, I, you know... I mean, I oh, you do a lot. But it's a, I mean, actually, what's interesting is this year, April, May, like we have April 25th is cool comedy. Mm-hmm. April 27th, I co-chair the event called Simply Divine, which is at the iconic Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And mm. this is our food and wine event for oh, wow. the Gay and Lesbian Center. Oh, wow. And it's 2,000 people. Wow. And so my role in that is getting all of our pals to... Do food, so Come we have out. over fifty restaurants doing it, wow. and a bunch of wineries, and you know, spirits, and and it's an amazing event. So two days after Cool Comedy, wow. we have Simply Divine. And those so are those are two big events. Two big that events that take lots of coordination, and you know, chefs. I love chefs. I love restaurant people. I've been doing it all my life. 
we're not all of us the most organized and the most uh, plan far ahead people. Right. So wrangling a bunch of restaurateurs and chefs and, and food and beverage folks, it takes a lot of work it and, does. and a lot of uh, outreach. So that's yeah. So what's it like having an event in a cemetery? How does that? Oh, happen? it's so fabulous. That's great. Hollywood Forever's like you know, it's you know Dorothy, Toto, yeah. or buried there every. Yeah big, huge celebrity, and the cemetery is gorgeous. Matter of fact, someone who's on the board, um, he is, Tyler Cassidy, he owns the Hollywood Forever. He grew up in a family that had cemeteries. He rescued Hollywood Forever when it was shambles and closed. And now there's like all sorts of wildlife all over. The cemetery is gorgeous. You could go walking through the cemetery and be blown away. It's Can like, you still get buried there? Is that a? I I I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, ashes you, or something like that. I think you can, Mausoleum. but I'm sure it's quite expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be ne- somebody just has to be next to Toto. Yeah, there's such a there's it, such yeah, a big. Yeah, I doubt fan. there's room there. <laughs> Um, so that sounds like such a full plate. When do you, when do you have time to, uh, relax, you know? Well, you know, I think one of the great things is Liz Lachman, who's Mm -hmm. my wife, Mm -hmm. you know, of 24 years. It's a long time. She always says it's like 10 minutes (laughs) underwater. (laughs) 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 I love love that. That is, that is great. But you know, I think she way back in her earlier life she was a singer songwriter grew up in michigan in detroit and so she's used to late night hours mm-hmm. and so i think we both are you know i don't know it must be our upbringing i don't know if it's midwest jewish with you know fathers that drove you to like go go right, go right but you know we're up early mm-hmm. we've got well now only two dogs we had mm. three dogs mm. and three cats now we're down to two dogs mm. but we're you know we're both up pretty early mm-hmm. and we're up late i think both of us sort of like it'll be like midnight it's like well let's just stay up and watch you know rachel maddow just for another it. hour i love it I you know it. and make a big bowl of popcorn I love and it. you know and then we're up at seven and so we sort of grab hours on the late and right. early or we go out to dinner at 9 30 10 o'clock at night or and and one day you and her are going to open up a jazz bar yes so tell my me, tell dream me, tell, me, tell me my dream so 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 visualize your dream here with me what it looks like a tiny little place like you find all over New York, mm-hmm. a little cool bar mm-hmm. that's just cool, architecturally sort of cool, or just an old space that's got character. Mm-hmm. And great small plates of food, not a huge menu, but great small plates, very casual, and just where you get amazing jazz musicians to come in. That sounds and great. Play. That sounds great. You when know? when does this open? I mean, come on. When I know? don't have to make yeah. any more money. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's what? expensive to have jazz. <laughs> not only that, uh, then you then you can actually enjoy it and yeah. not have to worry about you know not have to like wor- you know worry about uh, uh, everything that that a, actually having a business means, right? You know, you can play. Yeah. Well, you know? and also you know I would love I would love to make Liz get back up there and sing when it's you know when does she does she sing at home in the shower, in the shower. maybe yeah yeah, yeah. Kar- do you, karaoke no nothing, no nothing. no no she can you know even when we're in the car i'll put you know a jazz station or something and if she's trying to think or talk it's like i can't hear music you know it's it just it's she sounds super focused yeah i mean she it's you know i think music because music in her ears mm-hmm. 
it's it, she's really, it was her life. Right. Now she's a writer, director, and that's sort of where her world is, but it's still so much a part of her childhood. And how did you meet? Uh, she was eat she was on a blind date uh-huh. with another couple who I knew, not well, but I knew. And she was on a blind date and it was that woman's first date with a woman. And I said to the my the other people that I knew at some point when she walked back to go to the bathroom, I was like why would you introduce her to her? Why wouldn't you introduce her to me? <laughs> well, and 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 can I just interject here that in restaurants, I we get really good at recognizing first dates and and, yeah. and or, or or uncomfortable dates, yeah, right? Yeah. So so we kind of they, they really stand out, you know. And and in fact, sometimes uh, uh, the servers come back in the kitchen and they'll be like, "Table so is on a day is on yeah, a first yeah. date," you know. And then we'll kind of peek around because it's interesting, right? It's part of the whole you right. know part of the whole evening. So so the eyes were on the table, right? Yeah. So I was you was know I was on. out there. I go yeah. out and work tables anyways, right, you right. know. Right. Liz, of course, thinks I was out there a huge amount. Of time. I was like, no, I was out there the normal amount. But, you know, so then um, I gave my friend, I'd never do that. You know, I never even really dated much. I'd end up in a relationship and be in it for three years or five mm-hmm. or whatever, because I never went to bars or anything like that because I was always working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I gave her my number and Liz, at that point. Wait, on the date? I didn't give it to her. I gave it to my friend to give to Liz. And then Liz told told her, my friend or her, you know, the other friend, well, tell her to call me if she wants to go out. Okay. It's like, oh my God. Right, right. So So you did. I did. It was like right before we were starting our show Good Food on uh, NPR, on KCRW. Uh So I couldn't do anything for about a week. And then a week, as soon as we did our first show, I called Liz. And we had our first date. But it was, I'd been working at Border Grill that night, mm-hmm. and I was gonna go over there at like nine to pick mm. her up to go have a drink. Mm-hmm. And then we got hit, so I- You couldn't leave we, right I away. I couldn't leave. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I showed up there. I mean, I think I called. Well, said it's, a good, I was like, it's a good test of. And I uh, showed up with greasy, gross <laughs> uniform, <laughs> smelling like onions, smelling like yeah, onions. Yeah, and then yeah. we went to Shay J. <laughs> you know Shay J. No, but oh, it's great like, dumpy like, place. You know, but it's it's but the the picture you painted is such a good uh, you know it, it's such a, actually a great first date for for someone in you know in our industry who does what we do because yeah. it's really you know going to tell you how a lot to come is going to be and either you kind of roll with it yeah you know it's true or it becomes a contention point you know yeah exactly and and i took her to you know shay j which is like a dumpy old bar Mm. on ocean across from the lowe's hotel that's you know i think it's in a tv show i can't remember what the show is but i mean it's a tiny little bar Mm -hmm. probably been there 50 years or more you know not good same carpet same carpet (laughs) but cool space so I don't even know why I picked that place, but right. of course I but, love those kind of places. But it like worked. We would. But yeah. it worked. You know, it worked, and, and she was hooked. Yeah. So so, and then here you are, twenty four years yeah. later. Yeah, that is you know that that's very impressive. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and and now with five pets, you know. <laughs> well, that's now a lot. only two, but mm, we'll get more. Mm, mm. Two golden doodles. So, so we were talking about how you, how much you give back, and 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 earlier you had said that your you learned a lot of this from your dad. 
and that he really, you know, had a big part in, in, in talking about how to share in the responsibility of community, which I think is, you know, uh, and, and one of the reasons that that stuck out to me so much is, you know, and, and, we, and I've said this before on this show, in this industry, we are responsible for, for training young folks how to be, how to be in, in their first jobs, how to be, you know, in, in kind of life when, when they're young. And if they don't get their people who are raising them at home telling them, you know, these great things and that you should be, you know, giving back to your community, that mm-hmm. it becomes on, kind of on us to, to, to teach them how to be in the world and that that's part of, you know, being a human. So tell me about your dad and how, you know, and, and how well, he instilled that in you. Yeah, I mean, I think both my mom and dad did they i think they always taught us and maybe just by how they were like my mom was working um in a clothing store near smith's cafeteria Uh you know and and at this and then on weekends she would volunteer at the jewish nursing home Mm. and so i as a kid would tag along with her there while she was doing that so you know i think um and, and also, my father, back when I was really young, um, with his good friend, had a small little flower shop called the Flower Mark, the Flower Market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very original name. Mm-hmm. Hey, and, it's clear. It's yeah. clear what you sell. And it was yeah. right across from a hospital. And I often saw my father, and, you know, I often saw him where he would, I would see him give flowers to someone or to he just he was very giving Mm. and generous and would um you know there would be these times where i where someone would come in and they would be getting something to take over to the hospital and you could see that they were really being careful about what they spent on it and then my dad would add Mm. things to Mm -hmm. it or you know he was always very um always stressed about the importance of no matter what you had, he was. A he, was. Yeah. he was, and he always stressed the importance of no matter what you have, you know, you have to always sort of think about how lucky you are mm. and how good your life is, and figure out a way to give back something. Mm. So whether it's your time or whether it's money or whether it's you know whatever you can do, but the importance of giving back. And I think in our business, we are so supported by the community mm-hmm. that I think it's so important to give back to the community. No, absolutely. And absolutely. I love having all the, you know, young people who work for us learn the importance of giving back so that maybe when they have their own place or they get older, they remember some of the stories they hear when we do events and how moving they are. And um, and I think it's like you said, you can pass that on so that people see, you know, how how much you get from being able to give back in some way or other and so well and much like you know when you're a kid with the people who are raising you you don't know all the time how specifically good or how specifically bad they're doing right i mean th- that comes up later when, when, when in in many other ways right right but it's the same you know when you're a, a, you know i think back to my first jobs and 
I think back to those managers who were good and those managers who were not good. And, and I don't know if, like you have certainly gravitate towards certain ones for certain reasons, but it's really kind of, it hits you at some point later after you leave a job, you think about, you know, the, the way that the team functioned at that particular place. And then you start to form, you know, really kind of your own style and, 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 and you think, you know, you make your own decisions of, 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 hey, they were really good. Mm -hmm. They did these things. They, they, you know, I always saw them participating and saying yes and, and not breaking people down. And, you know, maybe they had a temper tantrum every now and then because they were human, but at the end of the day, they were, you know, they were good people. Right. And right. Those, those things, they really, they, you know, they, they really start to build and stick. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, um, okay, so can, can we play a, just a very small, a very small game? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I right, love great. games. Uh, good. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is the game of three. This is three, th three things. Okay. And it is um, the first thoughts that come into your head. Uh, it can either be grounded in reality or uh, completely made up. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's, it's whatever you say is, is a golden egg, and it, and, and it is perfect. All right. Um, so three jazz bar names. Wow. And I ask this, and I'll give you some time to think while I say I, I tell you. I ask this because naming things in my world are like, in my head, are so hard. Yeah. Because there's so yeah. much in a name, right? It's like, you know, names names are such a big thing. But but it doesn't have to be. You can yeah. name it whatever you want. Okay, Three well, names. this I'm stealing from something, but I love this name. Mm -hmm. um, Lou's Kitchen and Jazz Bar. Lou's? Like L-O-U. Lou's. Lou's. Lou's Kitchen and Jazz Bar. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Paints a picture. Uh, Betty B's. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, is there is there a Betty B? There is a Betty Bryant who uh -huh. Liz and I used to go see play jazz at Bob Burns when we first got together. Literally, probably three times a week before we oh, ever lived together. And she's now we just went to hear play. She's ninety and she has a song that's in the top thirty. Oh, wow. good for her. That she just wrote. Amazing. Good for her. Yeah, amazing. I love it. So Betty B. Mm. And I had told her forever that I was gonna try to open a jazz place before she was gone. That's great. And when we opened street, she played there like three uh, days a week. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And uh I don't know, maybe another one could be Susie Q. Susie Q is cute. And um, maybe we'd do Chinese small plates. <laughs> right, like that. Well, okay, so what's the food at Betty B's look like? What's or maybe it would food? be Susie Fenn. Susie Fenn. Susie Fenn, Fenn and then oh. have it be... Small I like plates. that. You first of all, those came off your tongue very easily. Yeah, yeah. and um, they're all good. So I'll just say that. I mean, you know, if I ever, you know, had a kid with my other half, like I think it wouldn't have a name until it was five <laughs> years old. <laughs> And I'd be like the name yourself kid, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure yeah. you out. Um, so, okay, so three tastes or flavors that stick out in your memory, either good or bad. Okay. Curry neem. Okay. And so where's, where's that from? India. Uh-huh. For sure. From years uh, ago. Years ago. Uh. Curry neem plant. That, I love that flavor. Oh, Santa. Uh -huh. from Mexico. Uh -huh. Love that. I have big, huge Oja Santa plant in my backyard. And how, how did you discover it for the first time? Gio, who's our executive chef here, who worked for us many years ago, uh -huh. uh, he was a sous chef then, gave me a tiny little plant, Oja Santa, uh -huh. and I planted it, 
and now it's like grows wild in our backyard and mm. it's the most delicious it tastes like licorice or anise mm. it's just fantastic mm. um and uh gosh the flavor i guess of artichokes that's one of my favorite food out there do you do you remember the can you take it back to a specific place or no well my mom loved artichokes mm. you know with melted butter mm-hmm. delicious yeah and i don't mm. know i still i mean artichokes and avocados are probably my two favorite yeah. foods those are those are all those are all yeah. good flavors um and then three things that make you blue um well seeing animals being mistreated mm. seeing yeah, young kids it. being you know mm. either mistreated or not being paid attention to mm-hmm. and um probably listening to sad songs but i love that right it's nice. It's like that ennui, right? Yeah. It's like nice to to get into that to that headspace sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, for when sure. Because you know, life's you know the French have it right. You know, life's not all about you know laughing and smoothing over. Right. Sometimes you got to be a little sad, and you got to you know you got to you got to have a little bit of the ennui, right? Yeah. I mean, probably the saddest thing right now is the president that we have in this country. So that's been coming up, you know. And and um, I was telling uh, Mary Sue on my um, Uber drive on the way over my uber driver said so what do you think about kamala and <laughs> and i was like bring it on you know yeah. it's really you know like i'm like I, i'm excited like i'm i have hope yeah i'm excited uh, because i think uh do you so okay do you remember election night like where you were and what was what I was do, going on in a big way so what were you doing election night well we had literally had probably 75 people at our house. Mm. And Liz had been, we had just opened out in Pasadena at the Huntington Gardens, so Mm -hmm. I was there all day. And we had, um, (coughs) Liz had been decorating the house, all of with Hillary stuff everywhere. (laughs) And even a Donald Trump, you know, thing like hanging, you know, in a noose, hanging from the (laughs) ceiling and, you know. It was elaborate. And we had all these people over, and one of the people was Lori Jean, who is the executive director of the Gay and Lesbian Center. She was there with her partner, with her wife, and they were sitting on the couch from like six o'clock on watching. And at like seven fifteen, she said to me, "Look, we're going to have to leave because this is this is not good, and it mm. looks like this is going the wrong way, and I need to go home and figure out." what I'm gonna be saying tomorrow. And it was like, what? What, how could that be? There's no way mm-hmm. this could happen. And literally the party, like by nine o'clock, 9.30, probably 60 people were gone and the 15 of us sat there on the porch watching mm. until like one o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. in shock. H- hoping for some kind of a- We were just, uh, I think in yeah, shock. Yeah, We were, yeah. Every, I mean, like everybody. Yeah. Everybody that I yeah no you know, depressed. So we were having an unofficial Hillary victory party at the restaurant. Where are you? We were showing it. 
because we were, I mean, there was no question. There was no question. And and I remember, you know, again, I'm in the kitchen cooking, and I we have the you know window that's pretty big, and I'm looking to, I you know, I'm, I'm watching it. And every time I remember cooking, every time you know uh, uh, something went for for Hillary, like you would hear people like, yeah, you know, the other people would cheer, yeah. and the cheers got less and less. And then at some point, I really, you know, the the ticket slowed down, and I'm I'm looking at the you know I'm looking at the the, the results, and it was the same thing. I was like. This can't be right. I mean, this doesn't make yeah. sense. Like, am I, you know, you know, it's just, it just, and and I think, you know, and and that's one of the ways that we failed is that we all we just took it for granted, like it was just going to happen. I was, I you have know? to say, I was very nervous when he was stuck when the whole thing started because just I felt like this guy will never lose, give up. Mm. I don't know. It's a sad time. Hmm. It's a very sad time. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, each time, even the Mueller report is just like, hmm. how could this be? Mm-hmm. How could we not get this guy? Hmm. How could we not get this asshole? Hmm. It's just, it's embarrassing. Mm. It's embarrassing. You know, sometimes when I see um, uh, folks coming in from out of the country in the restaurant, I'll say, thanks for coming despite our president. And they <laughs> laugh, but it's kind of true, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, like like how can you come here from Mexico? Oh, you know, I know. Knowing yeah. that, that, like, that, that this is how he's representing us, which, which is not, it's not the truth. I mean, especially our kitchens are, 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 are so Latin, you know, yeah. that, that, uh, you know, how can you in any good conscience, you know, work with incredible hardworking people and then just support someone who, <coughs> you know, who, who is just, you know, like that. And it just goes on and on. Mm. When, I mean, I love living in. I'm also on the board of the Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Board, mm-hmm. and I love that Los Angeles. You know, with Mayor Garcetti, is that that Mexico City is our sister city, mm-hmm. and we have you know a group that go down. There's just a collaboration of like, and it's almost like a big like you know fuck mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. you know to the president of like we're going to continue on with this relationship that's wonderful and right. that we have so much in common with right. but you know hopefully I, I i don't even know what to say you know i think it's a sad situation for us here just the whole way the country has shifted mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a long time to build us back up. But I'm hopeful, too. I mean, I think we've got great people that are going to be running. All I really care about, although I love many of the candidates, is that we get the person in there that will beat him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even care what their policies are. I just want them to beat him. <laughs> Baby steps. Right? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, I'm going to... Um, really put all my energy into that so yeah uh thank you so much this has been uh so gracious of you sharing your time and and you know answering these questions and and being here and being present i really appreciate it absolutely thank you so if you want to check out uh, Susan's social, go to at Susan Finnegar. You can also check out at Border Grill and BorderGrill.com. Um, I'm going to also be on the lookout for this jazz bar, and I'll be excited for the name. Yes. <laughs> Betty B. I like Betty, Betty B. Betty B. I like yeah. Betty B's too. That's sort of good, right? Yeah. yeah. Send, uh, send Susan a message what name you like. Yeah, yeah, send me a message for sure. (laughs) All right, until next time. All right, thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind. Find us on all things social at Culinary Mindcast and on the web, canelasf.com backslash podcast. Don't forget to rate us where you found us.